Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Hello, and welcome to the BibleQuestions.org podcast. My name is Jeff. I am one of your co-hosts. With me today is Brian, who's a little bit under the weather. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, all right, Jeff. Yeah, good enough to do this and uh, looking forward to wrapping up the series. It's been a good one. Right. Yeah, this is the seventh and final episode in our uh, prolonged series on the subject of prayer. Uh, certainly would encourage our listeners, if this is the first podcast you've encountered, uh, please go back. Uh, we would strongly encourage you to review the six previous podcasts to kind of get you up to speed before you come into our seventh and final one. Uh, we also have with us a special guest, uh, our preacher, Alan Hitchin, who's been kind of leading us through this uh, prolonged series with a lot of really good points. Alan, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing very well, Jeff. I, too, was under the weather, but I'm back on my feet and feeling really good. Yeah, it seems like a couple different bugs are going around, you know, COVID, of course, being one of them. But, you know, there's some others that are going around and a lot of people are... Uh, getting sick for a lot of different reasons, but certainly uh, glad both you guys can be here with us tonight as we kind of wrap up this prolonged series. Um, Alan, even though I suggested our listeners go back and listen to the previous ones, could you kind of give them a quick uh, overview of what we have covered so far? Yeah, I think that's an excellent idea, Jeff. The reality is, is that prayer is one of the most complicated things that we do with God. And we need to know exactly how he wants us to do it. And so, as we, as we learned in our very first podcast, we have to first learn how to listen to God. Uh, talking and listening are the basis of communication. Uh, we all know that most problems in human relationships come because people can't communicate with each other. And sometimes it's because we don't know how to talk. And sometimes it's because we don't know how to listen. And so... Uh, rather than starting with, here's how we should pray, we need to at least uh, grant the opportunity or possibility that maybe we, uh, we're we not listening to God. Then in the second podcast, we, we talked about how to talk to God, what he wants us to say, and how he wants us to talk to him. And Jesus began his uh, explanation of prayer in the Sermon on the Mount with the statement, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So in our third podcast, we talked about how we can hallow God's name and praise him and show him our love and our adoration in the way we address him. Then our fourth podcast, we discuss the giving of thanks and the gratitude that should be in every prayer. <clears throat> prayer is a very important part of our way of uh, telling God how grateful we are and how thankful we are for all of our blessings and for all of the things he has done for us, including the praise for the material creation. Then in the, the next two, we broke prayer down into the two basic ways that prayer is offered to God. The first are those prayers that we offer that we know God's will we know what God wants with that. For example, if I pray for forgiveness of sins, there's no doubt whatsoever that God will grant that prayer because he's asked me to confess my sins and to and promise to heal me if I do. Uh, on the other hand, there are other requests where we don't know God's will. 
Uh, maybe we are hoping to get a new job, or maybe we are wanting to marry someone, or maybe we are wanting something and God hasn't really told us and we're praying about it. And the point is that if we know God's will, we know we have our petitions. But if we have yet to learn what God's will is, then we have to pray in a slightly different way. So those are the uh, first six that we've covered, and tonight we're going to be looking at one more thing. So, Alan, when we consider all of the important principles that we have discussed on prayer, what would you consider to be among either the most important or maybe a principle that, that we should place emphasis on? I think one of the most important verses about prayer is given in the book of James. In James chapter 5, and we'll read verse 16 now, but then we'll go on to read verses 17 and 18 a little bit later in the podcast. The passage is, The effective or fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And so we, we learn from this passage that there are three essential elements of prayer. First is fervency. The second is righteousness. And the third is power. So the Spirit of God is revealing prayer in its most glorified sense, and that is when the person praying knows how to listen and knows how to talk to God, when the person praying is proving his faith, devotion, or her faith and devotion, and praying for things that can be given, and it will accomplish a tremendous amount of power. So, Alan, can you give our listeners some insight into uh, examples from the Bible uh, regarding what prayer has uh, accomplished, uh, at least in Bible times, in the lives of God's people? Yes, I think that's actually very important for us to illustrate what prayer can do. Uh, in the life of King Hezekiah, his prayer gave him 15 extra years of life. In other words, he prayed. God had told him that you need to uh, prepare yourself because this illness is going to bring your death. And he prayed and prayed, and God gave him 15 years. For Solomon, uh, he asked for wisdom, and God said, there's never been a man before you, and there will never be a man after you who will have the wisdom that I'm able to give you. So clearly, God can give wisdom. And one of the things James asks us to pray for in, in the first chapter is to pray for wisdom. And so the effective or fervent prayer for wisdom with a righteous man can avail much. All we have to do is look at Solomon. Uh, with Elijah, he was able to bring rain and withhold rain. With Eli and Hannah, Hannah, you remember, was praying that God would give her a son. Eli came and spoke to her and God was able to give her that son. And of course, maybe among the most important things is the forgiveness of all the wicked people. Everyone in the scriptures who received forgiveness received it because the fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail or have great power. So talking a little bit more about James 5.16, we see you know, three kind of important concepts here that are all mentioned. One is how, you know, the power of the prayer of the righteous, how effective it can be and how much it can accomplish. Can you talk a little bit more or summarize those a little bit better, uh, maybe just a little bit more clearly for our listeners, Alan? Sure. Yeah. 
the the word righteous is used throughout the scriptures to describe someone who God looks upon as being just, honorable, and acceptable. Uh, so by faith we are made righteous. You remember Romans 1:16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation, for in it is revealed how God makes man righteous. So when we talk about righteousness, we're really coming back to our first podcast when we talked about learning how to listen to God and submit to God. If we're not listening to him, and if we are not following what he teaches is fair and just and honorable, then we do not fit the criteria of this passage. We've got to be righteous. And righteousness, again, means trusting God and being in submission to him. And we saw in that first podcast that if you turn away your ear from hearing the law, your prayer becomes an abomination. That's in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9. Also, it says in Proverbs 15:8, the prayer of the upright is his delight. So God delights in our prayers if we are upright and righteous. And if we turn away our ear, in other words, we're living an ungodly life, our prayers become something that God is not going to be looking upon with favor at all. So if our life is not right with God, if we're not listening to God, doesn't matter how fervent our prayers are, doesn't matter how important that prayer might be to us, God is not going to hear it unless it is for forgiveness so that we can come uh, come back to him. Uh, it's interesting, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, uh, even of Jesus, it was, it was said, Jesus was heard because of his godly fear. So the Son of God, of course, righteous, holy, never ever committing a sin. Uh, God heard every prayer he uttered, and it had great power. So Jesus was heard because of his godly fear, and we will be heard if we are listening to God and submitting to God and trusting God. That is the most critical element of our prayers. So it's my understanding, Alan, that uh, various translations have taken the word effective and sometimes used uh, it in different ways. Um, could you care to explain why you think one is preferred over the other in terms of the translation? Yeah, I think it's important that we talk about this because we have listeners from all over the world and the various translations may or may not match up with what we're talking about. And I wanted to explain why. Uh, there's actually two verbs in this sentence. And verbs, of course, describe an action. And so the question the translators had to work with was, were the actions of these two verbs uh, designed one for the person praying and one for the answer, or were they both designed to be the answer? So in the New King James Version, it has the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So you see the two verbs there. The first verb is effective or fervent or powerful, and the second word is accomplish or, again, power or uh, ability to exert. In the second uh, translation, which is in the American Standard Version, the translators used both of the actions for the power of prayer itself. So the supplication of a righteous man avails much in its working. And so this is what the translators had to work with. It's not that one translation is right or one translation is wrong. 
it's they're both right and they're both really scriptural they're both true so there isn't really a question here about whether or not uh we are going to have to choose one or another because one's going to be right and one's going to be wrong the reason that i prefer the new king james translation which is the fervent prayer that the first word of power is for the way that a man prays or a woman prays and the second is the uh, power that it will have when it is prayed fervently. And again, the reason I do that, if you look at the whole context of uh, James chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, we read the first part, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. So here we see those two actions again. In this case, the action of the praying is earnest, or it is powerful, and the result of the prayer is that it didn't rain, so it had power. And so that's why I prefer the New King James, and that's how we're going to approach it in our in our uh, podcast this evening, is, is that the first word of power is for the way we pray, and the second word of power is is for what that prayer will accomplish if we pray that way. Yeah, and I there are also a couple of parables from Jesus, right, that uh, help to give us a clear understanding of a fervent prayer? Yeah, I, I think that uh, maybe our listeners ought to re- or be thinking a little bit about that. Uh, Jesus gave uh, two different parables. You remember there was one parable uh, in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5, where uh, Jesus talks about a friend coming at midnight. And the illustration, of course, is for prayer. This is a parable regarding prayer. And he said uh, that the man would not get up when he knocked on the door, but when he kept knocking and kept knocking and kept knocking, in other words, he was persistent. Matter of fact, in verse 8, it says this, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, obviously, Jesus is not saying here that if we don't show persistence, God won't answer our prayers, because of course he will. But the point that James is making and Jesus is making is that our persistence will uh, reveal to God how important this is to us and how interested we are in it. I mean, let's face it, there's two ways to pray. You can just say a prayer, or you can be very fervent in your prayer. Uh, We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane crying and pleading with God, please, Father, take this cup from me, take this cup from me, saying it again and again, not vain repetition, but fervency and a true desire to be heard. And we have prayers like that when someone we love is in an accident or uh, some uh, terrible thing is about to happen, and we our prayers become much more fervent. And so fervency is not something that we just manufacture. It's not the way that we're going to word every prayer, because depending on the importance it has to us, that's the uh, the degree of a persistence and urgency that's going to be in the prayer. The second parable is the parable of the unjust judge. And Jesus said that prayer in in verse 1 to the end that men would pray and not faint or give up. So he wants men to understand, he wants all of us to understand that uh, oftentimes a prayer cannot be answered 
the first time it is uttered. And if we are truly interested, we'll keep praying and we'll keep praying. And that's what he says as we go on in verse 3. It says, there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And once again, Jesus is the, the parable needs to be carefully uh, interpreted because he's certainly not saying here that God is going to get tired of our prayers. That's not the point of the prayer. The point of the prayer is that it is the widow's persistence and continual asking that led this wicked judge. And his conclusion, of course, is, will not God avenge his elect who cry to him day and night? I assure you, he will avenge them speedily. So the two parables are, uh, illustri they illustrate uh, the basic idea of what fervency and persistence actually is. So, Alan, since you mentioned Jesus in the garden a few moments ago, could you expand on that a little bit more in terms of the aspects that show uh, that sense or that idea of uh, fervency? Yes. Uh, you remember we read earlier in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it said Jesus was heard because of his godly fear. If you look at the rest of that passage... It's actually describing the strong cries and the anguish and the pleading that Jesus was uttering things which he suffered so that he could become our savior and cleanse us of our sin. So, but the fervency is real. So Jesus is in the garden and he is pleading with God. I mean, if you read Luke 22, 41 and and. Uh, through 44, it says this, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. So I've often thought about this. I'm sure our listeners might also think about it and that is what would have to be going on inside of you that you would start breathing faster you would your heart rate rate would go up and suddenly you started sweating now that is not a common experience matter of fact most of our listeners may have never had this before but jesus was so fervent in his prayer that he actually started sweating and the sweat looked like drops of blood. I mean, that's how earnest and fervent this prayer was. And as I said earlier, and, and we need to not forget this, the nature of what we're asking for will determine the emotional aspect of our fervency. And Jesus here clearly has an emotional aspect. Uh, Elijah, on the other hand, had a persistence. So... But, but the, the main point here is that God really wants us to want what we're praying for. And he wants us to have enough trust that he can do it for us. So those are the two basic elements. I need something. I know God can give it to me. I know God has asked me to give it to, ask me to ask him to give it to me. So how am I going to do that? Well, the more faith I have, 
the more love I have for God, the more interest I have in whatever it is I'm asking for, uh, all of that is going to factor in to how powerful the prayer will become. Because it's crucial that we understand that God's promises are all conditional. And this is a conditional promise. It is a promise that my prayer will avail much if I am righteous and if the prayer is fervent. And when we fulfill the conditions, God always gives the promises. But what I found through the years is that there are a lot of people who, when what they're praying for doesn't happen, they look to God. Well, God can't do it, or God won't do it, or God doesn't love me. And they give themselves a pass, as if I'm doing everything perfect and and God must be the problem. And we should never look at it like that. God will never fail us. He will never forsake us. If there's a problem in the prayer, it's never going to be God. It's always going to be me. And so I never want to think God failed me. I want to understand that somehow I fail God. And so all failures must be laid at our feet, not his. In other words, I'm praying for something, I'm not getting it, maybe God doesn't want me to have it. I'm praying for something, I'm not getting it, because I'm not fervent, or I'm not righteous, or I am asking amiss to spend it on my own pleasure. So when things don't work out as we want them to, we need to understand that it will never be God. It will always be because of God. what we have or have not done. Alan, if I recall in the last podcast, you were mentioning that all prayers we offer when we don't know God's will must be prayed differently than those where we know his will. Is that correct? Correct. And that's a, that's a very important point because it's hard to pray fervently for something when we don't know God's will. And yet Jesus in the garden was praying fervently because he did know God's will. And so the difference, I think, in the prayer, I think we should be fervent whether we know God's will or we don't know God's will. But the difference is going to be in our expectations. If I don't know what God thinks about this matter, then I'm going to pray fervently, and I'm going to, I'm going to understand that that prayer has power But I also understand that if it's not God's will, I want him to say no. It's not that I'm praying fervently that because I want this and I want God to give it to me no matter what. And that obviously would manifest a lack of faith. So if it's not God's will, then I want him to say no, just like Jesus did in the garden, just like all godly Christians will. If I, if my son asks me for something that I know is too dangerous for him to handle, I'm going to say no. Not because I don't love him, because I do love him. And so the difference in praying for uh, things we don't know God's will and things we do know God's will is going to be only in our expectations. So when we look at the word effective or power, That comes from a Greek word that has come directly into the English language with the word energy. And so electricity is energy, gasoline is energy, natural gas is energy, because they all can produce 
powerful thing. So when I plug something into a wall socket, whatever it is I've plugged in now has power and it can effectively work. It will work with power, whether it's a saw or a blender, whatever it might be. If I pour gasoline into my car engine or into my, into my tank to go into the car engine, it's going to produce power. I expect that fuel to create energy that will allow me to travel somewhere. And of course, that's the same thing with natural gas or, or propane. When we, when we have that gas coming to our home, we expect it's going to do something. And so just like gasoline or electricity or uh, natural gas or propane, we expect power from those things. And so now God says, let me add one more thing. Just like you expect power from electricity, you should also expect power from prayer. The prayer of a fervent, righteous man or woman has great power. It has energy. It will accomplish great things. And so it's, it's very important. I, I just can't even emphasize it enough. I can't be fervent enough to emphasize that the power of prayer is so great that we really can't even comprehend it. So when you talk about power, I'm kind of reminded of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So could you maybe expand on uh, that a little bit uh, to perhaps highlight uh, the greatness of, of God's power and, and how it works through prayer? Sure. Yeah. There, there are two ways that God works in our life. Well, actually three, because the material creation clearly is God's power in operation day by day. The sun, the moon, the stars, the the power in anatomy and physiology and chemistry. I mean, certainly we see the power of God that is exceedingly abundantly above anything we can imagine in the way the sun burns or way that the way that the trees produce fruit. But the two main ways in the scriptures are the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, it effectively works in those of us who believe. And so the greatness of God's power has been placed not only in the material creation, but in the gospel. And then the second way, and of course that's what he's describing here, is all that we ask. So now we're dealing with prayer. And it's interesting how Paul words it here. If, if you follow it uh, from the end to the beginning, we start with all that we ask or think. So anything that I could ask God for or imagine or think, God's power is able to do that. But then he says it's above all that we ask or think. So when I've run out of things to think about, God's power still is greater than anything that I could comprehend. But he doesn't stop there. He says it's abundantly above. So now we're starting to throw its superlatives in, the greatest, the highest, the most powerful. And so God's power is above all that we ask or think, abundantly above all that we ask or think, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So uh, I think maybe Isaiah's words in chapter 55, as the heavens are high above the earth, 
so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts and my power and your power. So God's power is as high above the earth as the heavens. And so he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So there is no prayer that I could pray that God could not do. There is nothing that I can ask for that God doesn't have the ability to do it. He has the power to do it. He has the wisdom to know how to do it. He can He can do anything, and he can do above anything, and he can do abundantly above anything, and he can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that I could could, could ever ask him for. So the problem will never be in God. God has the power. He has the ability. He has the knowledge. He can do it. The issue is me. Is it good for me? Is this something that would help me? Is this something that God would want me to have? Uh, And so the issue will always be in the way we pray and what we're praying for, because God can do so much more than we can imagine that we, we just can't even comprehend it. Yes, and then I'm going to have you read First uh, Kings. Which would be Brian. Okay, got it. Back on script. <clears throat> All right. So, so we need to read the entire chapter, the entire verse now in its context to really appreciate the kind of power that's being described here. So, Jeff, would you please read James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 for us, please? Sure. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. James chooses someone in the Old Testament. He could have used Solomon. Remember Solomon? God said, ask what what I could give you. And Solomon said, I'm just a little child. I don't know how to rule your people. Would you please give me wisdom? And it pleased God, and so he gave him wisdom. And this continues throughout the entire Old Testament scripture. We see God producing tremendous things for people. But in this passage, he picks Elijah, and he makes the point starting. It's not because he was a prophet. It's not because he was uh, special in some way. As a matter of fact, in verse 17, it says he was a man with a like nature uh, like ours. He thought like we do. He had weaknesses like we do. Right after uh, this prayer, he has a battle with the, the 450 prophets of Baal. And he decisively wins the battle, but then Jezebel says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you to death. And so he runs away. So Elijah's just like we are. And that's the point of the, of the comparison here. He's not picking someone who is so far above us that we couldn't really relate to him. He's picking someone who's just like us, who has the same kind of weaknesses and problems and difficulties that we have. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Now, it's interesting that, that he would say this, because if you go back and look at the account in First Kings, you will see that 
Elijah, Elijah goes to Ahab and he says, there will be no rain except at my word. And then he leaves. But now we learn that for the next three and a half years, Elijah was praying day by day by day by day, Father, please don't let it rain today. Don't let it rain because we want the children of Israel to recognize their sin and repent of it. So please don't let it rain today. For three and a half years, that's what he prayed every day. Prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. Probably more than once a day, he was praying fervently that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. Even though he knew that was God's will, he also knew that he had a role to play, and he worked hard to do it. it there will be no rain except at my word. So for, for the next three and a half years, his word, day by day in his prayer, was, Father, please don't let it rain. And it did not rain. Then in verse 18, he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. Now, once again, this was God's will. It was God who sent him to Ahab, and it was God who told him, uh, I'm, going to rain. I'm going to allow it to rain now. But he had told Elijah, it's at your word. And I'm fascinated by this because many of the prayers that we offer are given the same kinds of conditions. And we'll look at a few of those in just a moment. But before we leave this, I'd like to look at the account of how he prayed again that the heaven would give rain because it's very interesting. You see his faith and you see God's desire for him to be fervent and persistent. So let's all, well, let's, let's read uh, 1 Kings 18 verses uh, 41 to 45. So here it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up. Eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand, rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. I just find this passage so fascinating. Every time I read it, it just causes my heart to soar. It just It's such a wonderful, refreshing passage. For, for a couple of reasons, and perhaps the main reason is the fellowship here. Ahab, or excuse me, Elijah could have said, well, God, uh, it's up to you now. You, you need to make it rain. But he didn't. He knew it was, it was up to him. He knew that God put it in his hands. It will not rain except at your word. And so Elijah is very, very impressed and submissive to this. And so he's going to continue to pray until it happens. So he prays, he sends his servant to look toward the sea, and there's nothing there. So he prays again, and again, and again, and again, seven times in a row. There's the persistency, there's the fervency, there's the urgency, and there's the fellowship. God had asked him to do that, and it, it's exactly what he did. And when, it, when he sees just the smallest 
uh, sign of a cloud. It's as small as a man's hand. It's just a tiny little cloud out there. But Elijah knows God is going to keep his word. He doesn't have to wait. He has enough faith to know this is going to happen now. So he, as soon as he sees that, that cloud, he tells a servant, go say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And even as he's saying that, the clouds start to come. It becomes black with clouds and wind and the heavy rain comes. And so James picks this, this event. James says, Elijah was a man like us. He had weaknesses, he had strengths, he had problems. He was just like us. But God gave him a commission. You are going to be the one responsible for the reign in Israel. And so for three and a half years, he fervently prayed that it wouldn't rain because he knew that was God's will. Then, after those three and a half years, he knew it was God's will that it would rain. So then he prays just as fervently that it will rain. And this is so important because it is the essence of everything God has asked us to pray for. He puts it in our hands. And the fervency with which we approach it is our side of this, just like it was with Elijah. God will always do his part. The problem is whether we will do our part. And then as you go through, there's so many verses here, we're just going to touch lightly on on some of them. Uh, This entire chart is in uh, the little booklet that's on the website on prayer. And so I would urge all of our listeners to at least take a look at this chart because it's very instructive. It's very enlightening. And so the first, uh, most of the verses starts with a condition and then gives the promise. Every promise of prayer is given conditionally. If I fulfill the conditions, God will give the answer. So the fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. So we look at one of those passages in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul says, In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I pray and God gives the answer. So in nothing be continually anxious. We have a lot of anxieties in this world. There's a lot of things that we need that we don't always know if we're going to get. So we pray for our daily bread. We pray for the prosperity of our nation. We pray for uh, for God to watch over our family, our friends, our loved ones, the people we care about. We ask for, for God to providentially care for them. But from time to time, something happens. Something comes up in our lives. Maybe one of our children has a terrible accident or perhaps a situation, a financial issue arises, or maybe the nation we live in is going through a crisis and dangerous situations are arising. And Paul says, don't let that anxiety stay in your mind. God has a solution here. If you will ask God, let your request be known. Behind every anxiety, there's a need. And behind every need, there's a request. So if my child is in the hospital suffering, there's a need. 
My request would be, Father, please be with him and please resolve this and help this individual. And God promises my peace will guard your heart because once you've prayed this and you trust me, then you can let it go. We've done all we can do. And so the condition is we have to let our request be made known. The promise is the peace of God will guard your heart. And as I said, there's, there's about eight different passages in here that all say essentially the same thing. And so I'm not going to go through each one individually, but let's just touch on a couple of more. Uh, there's the one we just looked at, James 5:16. If your prayer is fervent, if your prayer is from a righteous heart, it will have much power. James 1:5. If you lack wisdom, ask in faith, don't doubt, and God will give you liberally. That's an amazing promise. It's just like Solomon. Solomon asked, God gave. If you lack wisdom, if you ask, God will give. And so the only question is, are we asking for it? If we're not asking for it, God won't give it. We have to ask. That's our part of the fellowship, just like it was with Elijah. God told Elijah, the rain won't come except at your word. But he also told him, you better be giving that word. You better be asking me every single day. And so the same thing here. Uh, we... If we ask according to his will, we know he hears us. And so as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, ask and it will be given. Seek, you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. So what is he asking for here? He's asking for us to be inquisitive. I think it's very similar to the Bereans in Acts 17 verse 11. They would see what Paul was saying and they would search the scriptures every day to see if they were true. They were asking, they were seeking, they were knocking, they were asking God for help. Uh, this is the other side of wisdom. Uh, you can't have wisdom if you don't know what to ask for. So sometimes you pray for the wisdom to know what to ask for, and other times you know what you need, and so you start asking, and God's promise is, if you ask, I'll give it. Again, based on the fervent prayer of a righteous man. So if I'm fervently praying and I'm listening to God, when I ask, it's going to be given. When I seek, I'm going to find. Uh, same thing in James or 1 John 1, 8. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But it it's based on me. If I commit a sin, I can't just say, well, God's going to take care of that. I don't have to think about it. He, he loves me and he knows I'm sorry. No, you have to confess that sin. You have to go back to God and say, Father, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm very, very sorry that I did this. I pray that you will forgive me. You were right. Uh, I never should have done this. And when I pray like that, God promises to be forgiving and cleansing us. And so, uh, and then I, I think maybe the, the last verse we'll think about is one we already looked at, and that was in, the one in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, where it says, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so the critical point here is, are we asking? Uh, James says in, in, I think it's in chapter 4, you don't have because you don't ask. And then you ask and you don't receive because you ask to spend it on your own pleasures. So we've got to ask. Uh, I heard a sermon years and years ago, and it, it went like this. We, we stand before God on the judgment day, 
And God shows this stockpile over here of all the wonderful things. And you say, what are those? And God says, those are the things I would have given you if you'd have asked for them. Uh, sometimes we lose out because we're not asking. And so uh, as we wind down our, our uh, series on prayer, I'd just like all of our listeners to realize it's the most powerful thing that God has given us outside of his word. God's word, of course, is the most important and powerful thing. And when we listen to that word, then prayer takes its rightful place in our hearts as the ability to thank him, to praise him, to adore him, to hallow his name, to ask for the things we know his will, to ask for the things that we need where we don't know his will, but to ask fervently and with a righteous heart. And so I I hope this this series has been very helpful to all of you who are listening, and I I would urge you to uh, look a little further. I do have a little booklet again on on, uh, Bible questions that would be very helpful because it kind of goes over everything we've covered in these podcasts. Well, Alan, thanks a lot for this series. It's been very good. And, you know, as you were going through tonight's episode, I was thinking, you know, we've really kind of come full circle when you think about in the very first episode talking about, you know, it kind of starts with learning to listen to God and by listening, you know, being obedient to his will, because it all really starts with that. And of course, that's how you finish tonight, right? With James 5.16, that our prayer can be effective if we are righteous. It's certainly conditional. And so uh, thanks for this good series. Gave us a lot of good principles to think about. Brian, I, I sure appreciate uh, those those words. Uh, I just so enjoy sharing these vital truths uh, with people because they can really change our lives. They can They can really make us a lot more powerful as Christians. And so thanks to you guys for giving me this forum, this opportunity to talk about these things which are so very important well and as we've said i guess throughout the series that it's it's a very extensive subject a very important subject i mean we've spent you know seven podcasts and you know aggregated together maybe six hours uh and in some ways we've only scratched the surface and the reason i say that for our listeners is as always we would invite you to come to our website at biblequestions.org where we have even more material uh, on this very important subject. If you go under the topics menu item, under P for prayer, we've got 18 different articles uh, on this subject, uh, including the model prayer of Matthew chapter six, uh, even things like prayers addressed specifically to Jesus and prayers addressed to Mary uh, what prayer will and will not do, and a number of other uh, topics for your continued study. Uh, also, since we talked about the need for us to listen to God, in essence, understand his word, obey his word, uh, under O for obedience, uh, again, the importance of doing his will. And as Alan uh, alluded to, under the lessons menu item, uh, the Christian living sub-menu under that, there is a section on prayer. And in that particular area, we've got the handout that Alan mentioned a few moments ago. It's in a PDF uh, format that you can download for free, which has a lot of pages. Uh, That also includes the chart that he mentioned on God's conditional promises that are offered through prayer. And that page 
has six uh, MP3 audio files which cover the sermons that he has also preached on this subject, a six-part uh, series. So lots of good material on our website that we would certainly encourage our listeners to take advantage of to learn even more about this very important subject. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.